Hey, happy October, everybody. Welcome. In this week's episode, we talk Mr. Miyagi. We talk crossing the sea and tips from things like Flipgrid quizzes and different ways that you can make your own gifts. So sit back, enjoy, I hope, and welcome to this week's episode of Six Tips and Tricks from the Tosa. Welcome to Six Tips and Tricks from the Tosa, a bi-weekly podcast meant to give you ideas, techniques, and strategies for the intentional use of technology in the classroom. And now here's my dad, Mike Brella. Hey, welcome back or welcome to the Six Tips and Tricks from the Tosa podcast. I'm Mike Brilla, you're the host of the podcast. Uh, and you might hear my dog barking. I'm not sure. As I record this, it's a uh, absolutely stunning, beautiful Sunday, late Sunday morning, almost noon on Sunday, October 4th. It's, it's one of those absolutely gorgeous fall days. Uh, I'm lucky enough right now to get a, a little bit of alone time at my house. So I figured it's a great time to, to record and knock this out. Uh, before I start, I would like to say that the day this episode comes out, October 5th, is my wife's birthday. So happy birthday, Jess. I won't talk about how old she is. Um, I will say that we had an awesome weekend um, celebrating her birthday because um, our lives, like many educators, are a little insane. And we, we might not even see each other on the day of her birthday. So happy birthday. Um, she's probably not listening to this because I think she finds it a little cringy, uh, but that's okay. Uh, so this week, my thought of the week, um, it's uh, it's kind of a, a goofy one, um, but like many people who who grew up in the 80s, um, I have been absolutely 100% hooked on Cobra Kai, the Netflix series Cobra Kai, and um, it was the last place I thought I would find any inspiration um, because when I first started the series, I, I watched maybe 10 minutes of the first episode because people have been telling me how great it is. And I just, I, I turned it off. Um, I thought it was terrible. I'm going to be honest. And um, I don't know exactly what convinced me to give it a second shot, but I did. I went back to it um, and I've been hooked ever since then. Um, so if you watch Cobra Kai, you, you know, the plot line and the acting are a little lacking. Um, as my wife says, it's a little hard to see Ralph Macchio uh, kind of struggle through because he's not a great actor, let's be honest. Uh, but it's 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 awesome. There's something about the way that the the plot switches back and forth between what's going on now and what happened in the original Karate Kid series and how they tie everything together. And if you're watching Cobra Kai or you've you've grown up with Karate Kid, how he almost makes you feel bad for Johnny Lawrence, right? It's it's just this, it's an amazing combination of nostalgia and entertainment and. I don't know. I love it. So I've been hooked watching this Cobra Kai and, and we just started the second season. And for those of you who aren't watching it or are planning to, this doesn't spoil too much. However, I will say it gives a little bit of the plot line away that, um, Danny starts or restarts Miyagi-Do karate. And he's struggling through how he can attract new customers, new students to his dojo. And, and, his wife makes this this comment um, where she says, you know, you don't have to be Mr. Miyagi. You have to be Mr. LaRusso. And the last place, again, I thought I would find inspiration is, is in Cobra Kai. But uh, it kind of resonated and stuck with me uh, because I find myself a lot of times constantly trying to be 
my Mr. Miyagi, you know, somebody that I look up to, or, or not even just that, just not being Mr. Brilla, not being myself. Um, I think as teachers, we all need to remember this, that you don't need to be Mr. Miyagi. You just need to be yourself. Um, so many educators, the, the more I teach, the more I realize, the longer I'm in this business, the longer I realize that, uh, many of us suffer from that imposter syndrome, right? Where am I as good as I, as I think I am or hope, or I want to be, or, or maybe even worse, like I'm not as good as, as I think. So sometimes we're almost too competitive with ourselves with this imposter syndrome, or maybe you're competitive with somebody else. You know, I, I find myself trying to be the best, whatever it is, you know, I want to be the best social studies teacher. I want people to know me as the best assistant coach or the best tech coach. And it's, it's, you get, it gets unhealthy where if you're always con comparing yourself to somebody else, if you're always comparing yourself to what you think you should be instead of what you can be or what you are, man, it just takes you further away from, from who you are. Um, so I think this whole idea of, you know, don't be, you don't need to be Mr. Miyagi. You don't need to be another teacher. You don't need to be some superhero that you, that, that you hold up on a pedestal as this great, amazing educator. Instead, you just be, be yourself and, and be the best version of yourself you can be. And that, that varies from day to day, right? It's, you know, right now I'm feeling really great. Tomorrow I could wake up lacking motivation and my best tomorrow might be a little different than my best is today, but, but that's okay. Right? Cause again, we don't need to be Mr. Miyagi. So my, my weekly inspiration or the thought of the week, the quote of the week, um, I came across this is an, an uh, email I get sent to me each day, daily inspiration email. And, uh, <clears throat> the one this, this week's that I have hanging, it says you can't cross the sea merely by standing and staring at the water. I love it. Right? Like we, it's progress isn't made through inaction. It's made through action. And I think sometimes we, we, especially in, in the education business, we get a little too um, paralysis by analysis in our minds where we, we have to think about the perfect outcome before we can just jump right in, right? You can't cross the sea merely by standing and staring at the water. You got to jump right in. At some point, you got to get going. Um, and, and I'll be honest, it, it's funny, these two, two people that jumped to mind um, in my building that I've been lucky enough to help out through this transition of last year with the... Um, uh, emergency remote learning in the middle of March to finish out the year distance. And then right now we're doing this hybrid approach. I have, uh, there are two world language teachers, uh, Beth and Bill, who uh, last year, I'm going to call it like it is. They struggled with the technology and they'll, they'll be the first to admit that. Um, and it was a point of frustration and, and pain for them. And, and sometimes even anger um, with the, with the technology and, they could have very easily thrown their hands up and said, like, listen, I'm just not good at this, so I'm not going to try it. I'm not good, right? But but they kind of, whether they realize it or not, they model this. You can't cross the sea by standing and staring at the water, right? They could have sat there and just looked and be like, it's not my thing. Um, but they put put effort and time into it, and they've asked questions after question after question. And um, I have to continually, especially with Beth, remind her that it's my job and I enjoy answering her questions. Uh but they put the work in, you know, they stopped staring at, they weren't, they never stared at the sea. Um, they, they've given it an effort and, and it's unbelievable the transition from last year to this year. Uh, it's, it's, it's 
phenomenal, the type of questions and things I'm getting from them this year. So, you know, be like Beth and Bill and, and, and jump in because you can't cross the sea by standing at the water. You can't bring about change by just by thinking about it. You've got to do it. So give it a go and find people to support you. And hopefully whatever sea you're trying to cross, you're ready to start. All right. My first tip of the week is um, one of my absolute favorite ed tech sites and it's, it's quizzes. Um, and if you've never tried quizzes, you've got to absolutely do it now. I've been a fan of games like a hoot and Quizlet and quizzes for years. Um, and I started relying a lot more on quizzes the last couple of years. I, I've often heard comments from, from my students critical of games like Kahoot where, um, they didn't enjoy the pressure of having to answer questions quickly. Uh, you know, like, oh, I knew it. It's not fair that I just didn't know it quick enough. Um, and I used to just kind of brush that off like, oh, well, too bad. You didn't, you didn't know it. Uh, but then I see it in my own son. And, you know, I had a parent once tell me I'm, I'm a good teacher, but I'll be a great teacher when I have my own kids. And I don't know that this is necessarily something that everybody has to have. You don't all have to be, have your own children to, to look into kids, but I did. Um, and when I saw my own son, when he came home and he is, uh, I'll, thank God, thank my, thank God for my wife. He's a bright little kid. Uh, but he hates Kahoot because he said like, it's dad, I just get so stressed out trying to answer it quickly and my score's low and I don't like it. So he would much rather quizzes. So I started to think about this and, and the individual pace quizzes has become a, a huge, more attractive, vastly more attractive option for me. Um, and this past spring and summer, um, like many EdTech platforms, quizzes have made a number of changes and upgrades to their platform. Um, so this post that I have linked in my show notes and and throughout, it's it's they explain all the different changes, including like the different question types you can now ask, because it's not just limited to multiple choice like it used to be originally. They've included their own um, version of student-based learning through their lessons. Uh, this is part of uh, the the upgraded plan. Uh, quizzes is a freemium site, so you won't get lessons for free unless you upgrade. Uh, what I love, they give you tips for creating engaging quizzes, but even more importantly, I love there's a one-pager cheat sheet with all of the updates explained. So check out the post. It's in my show notes, the, all the quizzes updates in one place. I've learned long ago that you can't be afraid to admit when people are smarter than you or have better ideas from you and then use them, right? It's the whole Teddy Roosevelt standing on the shoulders of giants belief. Um, and one person that I have really kind of taken a lot from is, um, and <laughs> I'm not alone. This isn't groundbreaking. This isn't anything new, but I, I have really come to enjoy Matt Miller and his ditch that textbook blog. Now I'm not one of the Matt Miller disciples. There are people out there who imbibe and, and, and to every single thing he suggests. And that's, that's great. Have had it. Um, but there are just some things where, you know, I don't agree with what he, what he thinks or says or does sometimes. Um, but he has amazing stuff. So, uh, this is a post, this, this next one is Matt Miller's tips for effective classroom assignments. And it's specific to Google classroom and it's not new. Uh, this blog post comes from 2018, uh, but it's worth reading and, and revisiting now. And, and again, probably from time to time, uh, because he gives you 10 simple tips that serve as reminders to help keep your Google classroom clean and, and effective, whether you're new to it or whether you've been using it for years. I think these tips uh, are phenomenal ways to keep you grounded. 
and keep you focused on what's right um, and how to make your Google Classroom as effective as possible. So he, his tips include ways to keep the page organized, uh, to make your directions effective and promote collaboration and discussion in your classroom. Uh, and I love what he says in the post that uh, the magic is not in the Google Classroom itself. It's in how teachers and students use it and how learning is improved. I love that, uh, right? Because, you know, it's, 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 and this, I think, I don't know if this is a Matt Miller, it might even be the other Miller, Jake Miller quote, where they talk about like technology only amplifies teaching. So it makes good teaching better and makes bad teaching worse, right? The magic's not in the classroom. It's in how you use it. Um, and these tips that, that Matt Miller gives in these tips for effective Google classrooms, it will help to keep the technology from being a hindrance to the students because sometimes our classrooms and i will i will say i'm guilty and maybe even more guilty than everybody else our layouts make sense to us the assignments make sense to us the directions make sense to us and they're just not working for the kids so this post will help to show or remind you ways to make the most of your google classroom so check out matt miller's tips for effective classroom assignments My third tip of the week is is another source to check out, and it's it's another update about one of my favorite educational tech, uh, education technology tools, and that's Flipgrid. Um, and just like quizzes, Flipgrid had some massive changes this summer. Um, and if you are somebody who's been using Flipgrid for a long time, these changes are going to do one of two things: <laughs> there, you are going to love them, or they're going to rock your world right away. <laughs> and if you haven't checked it out, but um, I personally, after investigating and looking into it and running a little session on it, I love the changes they brought about. Um, so right away, um, I'll tell you that this, the changes they made are all, they're student centered, they're student focused. Um, and this will, you know, what I love so much about Flipgrid is that, that it literally is a simple way to, to get your students talking about content or whatever it is you want them to talk about. Um, so if you aren't using Flipgrid now, start. And I'll tell you, it's not going to be simple. It's not like right away you're going to start this Flipgrid and, and roll it out to your students and they're going to be excited. And, you know, you had this vision, or at least I did the first time, like, oh, the kids are going to love this. And instead of writing, they can talk, they can record themselves, um, and they're going to be able to watch each other's videos and converse from a distance. And it's going to be great. And then I did it and the students were groaning and moaning like, oh gosh, do I have to, I hate to record myself. Um, I hate to see myself talk and I hate to hear myself. And, and um, guys, I'm there. I'm there with you. I understand is what I, I used to tell my students. And that's the whole reason I started podcasting. Um, I started, I created a podcast to, just for updates for my classroom. And um, I did it because it was time for me to put my money where my mouth was. I was asking my students to, to continually grow and push themselves past that discomfort you know, specifically with Flipgrid, one group, and um, I did it myself. So get your students using it. They're going to be really shy, really uncomfortable. They're going to hate it at first, many of them, but that's okay because, you know, this is how we grow through our discomforts. Um, so this newer version, the updated version of Flipgrid, uh, I love it even more. And and this post gives you all the updates explained in one place. Um, so you know, I also, I, I was so excited about, it. I ran a quick little PD session. Uh, so if you can check out the Flipgrid post or, or I'll link my video to this. Um, but you know, they, they brought about new upgrades to the, the student end. So how the students see things, they changed the camera and they added things like 
boards and you can split your screen, different fonts, different frames, different filters, which for someone like me, you know, I'm not of the Snapchat generation. Filters don't make sense to me, but the kids love it. And anything you can do to get the kids creatively thinking and creating and making things and just a little bit more engaged, why not? What does it hurt? So it talks about the upgrades to, the, to the, the, the learners, upgrades to the camera. It talks about the changes in the way you organize things, right? Gone are grids, and instead they're replaced in groups. Makes a little bit more sense. Topics now. You can assign topics individually, and you can start with a topic. You can now um, include specific individuals on private grids. So there, there's just a whole host of updates that made Flipgrid easier to use for you and your students. So check out all the different... Flipgrid updates explained. My fourth tip of the week comes from the man, the myth, the legend, the author of the Control Alt Achieve blog, the, the uh, Google hipster himself, Eric Kurtz. And if you haven't started listening or re reading or following anything by Eric Kurtz, um, you are missing out. Uh, you know, whether or not you use Google Classroom or really any Google stuff, Eric Kurtz gets some phenomenal ideas and, and just his presentation method is just, it, it's outstanding. Um, so before I talk about my tip from, from Eric Kurtz, uh, I will start off by saying right up front, I'm a hard G guy. Uh, you'll get, you'll get, you'll understand this. You can give me all the excuses, but when I talk about this next one, creating your own gifts with Google slides, I am a hard G gif guy. Now I hear it all the time. People talk about the, the guy who created gifts calls them gifs, whatever. He's a techie. He's not a linguist. Furthermore, the G stands for graphics, right? So it's gif in my book. I'm sticking with gif. That's what I think. Um, uh, all right, so that's out of the way, off my little soapbox for the gifts. But uh, check out this post by Eric Kurtz. Uh, he shows you a simple way to use Google Slides and then combine them with a website called Tall Tweets to create your own gifts um, or to create stop motion videos. So in my mind, right away, there's two different things you can, two different routes you can take this. If we look at the teacher center, I don't know how how often you find yourself doing this, but quite often I would get aggravated and upset over constantly repeating the same directions. Like it's right there. Read the directions, read the directions. Well, a couple things. One, if you're constantly answering the same question, maybe the way you communicated it wasn't effective. And I am the worst when it comes to that. It makes sense in my head. Why does it not make sense in yours? Um, so I learned a long time ago as a little side note, uh, if I explain something and somebody just doesn't get it and they ask for clarification, I right away ask for help from other students. Like, hey, uh, anybody want to help? Because then I can see, you know, they can explain it to each other. So that's just just my own little soapbox moment there. Uh, again, asking for, for help from students. But, you know, first of all, kids, you know, it, it might be on you. And the second thing is, I hate to say this, but quite often kids don't read as much as we want them to. So maybe you can create a GIF for the directions that you think are incredibly important or for the systems that you want the kids to follow, right? So create your own GIFs as reminders for, for important directions. Or, and this is the way I love this, have your kids create GIFs. 
We're all looking for simple ways, engaging ways, low stakes, but high engaging ways to assess students' knowledge of skills right now. I think creating a GIF or a stop motion video like he talks about in here is a great way to get your kids creating with the content that you're teaching. So check out Creating Your Own Gifts with Google Slides by Eric Kurtz. My fifth tip this week is my podcast recommendation. And I know my last couple have been whole um, podcast series to listen to, but I'm going to go back to a specific episodes. Um, and this, this, this week's recommendation is um, it's entitled Suffer Through It from Morning Coffee with Rick Alexander. And it's the, the one he recorded on July 31st of 2020. And um, a few months ago, I got introduced to Rick Alexander from another podcast. Uh, somebody told me to listen to Positive University by John Gordon. So the first episode I listened to was John Gordon interviewing Rick Alexander. And I immediately fell in love with both the host and the interview the, the interviewee. And I started to listen to both guys pretty religiously. And Rick Alexander has quickly become one of my favorite creators of content right now. Uh, I just finished reading his book, his first book, Burn Your Couch. Uh, awesome read. Uh, and I've been listening to his podcast. You know, he, he usually puts out about three a week, and I've been listening pretty religiously since then. Um, and he, he's he got some great tips and great ideas. And and I think this one from July 31st, the end of this past, the, the end of July this past summer was, was phenomenal. And it's all about dispensing with that myth that so many of us, especially Americans, hold on to that, that we need to suffer through or we need to you know, endure some sort of grind in order to find our happiness. Right. There's a there's as a wrestling coach, um, there's a wrestling, a line of clothes from wrestling where their, their logo is or their, their phrase is embrace the grind. And, and I get it. I, I kind of agree with that. I love it. Like, you know, if you can find joy in that grind, you're going to be successful. But as Americans, a lot of times we feel like we're stuck in this, like we need to follow a certain script to be happy, or we need to just get to one thing to be happy. Like, let me just get to the weekend and I'll be happy on the weekend. Let me just get through this quarter. Once I get this grading done, then I'll be happy. And when happiness is our goal, Right. According to Alexander, he's talking about this when we're looking just to be happy, when we're making decisions, momentary decisions, just to be happy, we're going to lose out on, on, on more in the long run. And this, this episode is a great one. And I won't try and put into my own words, what Alexander says, cause he's much better and he's much more coherent than I am and eloquent. Um, but in this, in this one, he, he does this great talk about how we can make better and more intentional decisions to focus our energies on these things he calls noble pursuits that will make us happy. Like, you know, maybe, you know, we're not suffering, but we're also not making those decisions just to be happy in that moment. But it's something that we know will benefit us in the long run. And as a teacher, I think we can think about how we can use these same things, these same noble pursuits. And he even talks about science classes and being a student in a science class, how we can help our students to find happiness and not just suffer through what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. So check out from July 31st of this, this past year, 2020, Rick Alexander's morning coffee with uh, suffer through it. My final 
tip for this week is my video recommendation. And it's a YouTube video. It comes from a Ted talk called three things I learned when my plane crashed by Rick Elias. And, and you know, there's one thing that Rick and I have in common. I um, mean, it's that we both drink cheap wine. Um, I do it for economic reasons and because my palate is not refined enough to know the difference between a really good Pinot and a decent Pinot. He does it for a different and deeper reason. Um, so, you know, I started this episode talking about, um, by, you know, don't compare yourself to Mr. Miyagi. You don't have to be Mr. Miyagi. And I talked about, you know, the whole idea of, you know, you're not going to cross an ocean by just standing there and staring. You got to jump right in. And that's something that Rick talks about in, in his video and his Ted talk. It's about an eight minute Ted talk. Um, and Rick was one of the cat, the, the passengers on, um, the flight made famous by Captain Sully that had to land in the Hudson River to avoid crashing. And he talks about these three lessons he takes from that terrifying moment where he wasn't quite sure he was going to make it out of this plane crash. Um, I will not try and explain his lessons. Um, I will just say, do yourself a favor, click on the show notes or just YouTube search for Rick Elias, E-L-I-A-S, Three things I learned when my plane crashed. So that's it for this week. Um, as always, I, I hope you're taking some sort of value out of this. If you have any feedback you'd love to offer, uh, whether positive, negative, I promise I can handle negative feedback. Um, any ideas, any questions, whatever it is, and you'd like to reach out to me, I would love to hear from you. Uh, you can click on the link in my show notes. It'll take you to my website um, where you can leave me a speak pipe message, message if you'd like. You can also reach me at uh, Twitter at Mr. Underscore Brilla uh, through my email at work or um, Voxer at Mike Brilla. Uh, but I would love to hear from you. It's just, you know, whether you're, you're listening or good news, whatever, uh, some feedback would be appreciated. So I hope you find your happiness this week. I hope you. Um, avoid suffering through work. I hope you're intentional in the decisions you make to find happiness. And I hope that you stop staring at the sea in, in hopes of crossing it and jump in and get to work on whatever it is that drives you. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to the, to the episode. And until next time, remember, don't be afraid. Try something new.